appointment. You may have thought you just decided to come, but the Lord brought you here. And what a great privilege it has been for me to be a small part of God's Learning Channel for two hours the other night with Al and Tommy. Wow. I've kind of felt like a real celebrity around the Midland. It seems like every place I've gone since I was on that television station, it doesn't matter whether it's here at the hotel or at the restaurant, wherever I go, they say, I saw you on TV last night. That was really good. I said, well, you better come to the conference. And, uh, you know, the Lord is using television. He's using the Learning Channel. And um, I don't know, I, I just get so excited to think about what is happening right now in our world. Because God is working in Israel. God is working in the church. He's accomplishing his higher purpose. What a blessing it has been to worship the Lord today, to ascribe to Him majesty and praise. Um, Today I'm going to be sharing with you on the theme, Jewish and Christian prayer in the time of Jesus. And one of the prayers that we are going to explore together is the prayer that's called the 18 benedictions, the Shmonasrei, sometimes just called the prayer, HaTefillah. Uh, I don't know, when they were asking me a title to this tape, and I was uh, corresponding with CBU, I was thinking, well, Jewish and Christian prayer in the time of Jesus. It was kind of funny, as I was walking in here today, it's like the Lord was telling me, well, you know, in the time of Jesus, uh, what kind of prayer was there? <laughs> uh, in the time of Jesus, there was just Jewish prayer, wasn't there? <laughs> kind of ruins the title of my whole message. I may have to change that uh, tape there. Tape title. In fact, I teach a course at the Graduate School of Theology at Oral Roberts University called Jewish and Christian Prayer in the Time of Jesus. Sometimes they ask, why are there 18 benedictions? You know, in Psalm 29, one of the rabbis says there are 18 times that you say the name of the Lord. Havu Ladonai Kavod Vaoz. Ascribe to the Lord. Heap up to the Lord. Give to the Lord. Glory, kavod. Hebrew, that word kavod, that's kind of like the weightiness, the heaviness. Ever feel the tangible presence of God that he is there with you? Sometimes we talk about the shekinah, the divine glory that rests upon you. Vaoz, oz is the strength, the glory of God. Havu, that kind of sounds like uh, that old Jewish drinking song, uh, have a tequila. Or Havanagila, you know. Uh, so, got to get those together sometimes, you know. Uh, but we can ascribe to the Lord uh, glory and praise to really learn how to pray. I don't know, when I was sitting with uh, Al and Tommy and we were talking on that set, I just felt so strong the presence of the Lord. And I've felt it as I've come in here. And we heard this great message from Dr. Koch last night. I don't know, I've written a couple of books on parables. If I'd known he was going to preach in that, I should have brought more books. Everybody's saying, i got to get that book on parables. We saw it. Um, people in the bookstore, they want me to tell you, well, you know, if you really want that book, since we sold out of the one book, you can pay for it and we'll mail it at our expense. If you want me to sign it, I'll sign it and we'll send it to you. 
Uh, I do have, I think we still have a few copies of this other book on the parables, the hardback. I think really if you're starting out in parables, this might even be the better book for you. But what a blessing that was. And I think what the word of the Lord that he's bringing to me is we are a parable, living parable, is that things that have been impossible are now possible. Things that you have felt could not happen are going to happen now. You are here by divine appointment. God is preparing you for his high call, his purpose. And you've been thinking that these things aren't possible. They're going to be possible for you now. And you're here because God is singling you out for preparation. We are being prepared for the second coming of Jesus Christ, our Lord, Yeshua HaMashiach. And I think when we talk about being prepared, the most important foundation in preparation is our own spiritual life. How do we pray to God? How do we walk with our Father who is in heaven? How can we have a more meaningful spiritual life? And I think if we're going to do that, we really need to explore, probe the deeper meaning of prayer in ancient Judaism. And I think it really helps us in our own prayer life. Turn with me, with, if you will, to Luke chapter 5, verse 12. I'm going to be reading from our Hebrew Heritage Bible, the translation that we're working on at Gospel Research Foundation. Uh, you can follow with me uh, in uh, Luke 5, verse 12. While visiting one of their cities, suddenly a man full of leprosy caught sight of Yeshua. He fell on his face, begging him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Yeshua stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be made clean. Immediately the leprosy left him. He charged him not to speak to anyone, but to go show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing, as Moshe commanded as a witness to them. But so much the more the news concerning him kept spreading, large crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But he withdrew into the desert areas and prayed. This is a powerful story. I don't know what your need is today. This man needed healing of leprosy. He knew that if he could get to Jesus, if he could come to Yeshua, his needs would be met. How many of you know that really what our, our needs are really what we think they are? Sometimes we think, well, I need, you know, a raise at work. I need a better car. I need a new house. I need this. I need that. You know, that's not really what we need. What we need is a deeper walk with the Lord. What we need is more of Jesus in our lives. What we need is a more meaningful spiritual life. But you know, if we can get to Yeshua, if we can get to the Lord, if we can understand Him, we'll have our lives changed and we'll have those needs met in our lives. But if you notice here, even after Jesus has this tremendous miracle and His ministry is increasing, uh, He doesn't just give Himself to all the people. What does He do? It says that Yeshua, Jesus our Lord, would withdraw into the desert areas in order to pray. 
If Jesus, our Lord, needed time alone with God, how much more do we need time alone with God? When I come to CBU, when I come to something like this in Midland with God's Learning Channel, I know that we are teaching and talking and sharing with the commanders, the top leadership in God's army. And you are in leadership training right now. And the most important thing for us to do is to get in a deeper relationship with the Lord. I can't really teach you how to pray. You have to teach yourself how to pray. The disciples came to Jesus and said, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. But when he gave them the Lord's Prayer, I like to call it the prayer, the disciples' prayer, because it's the prayer that he taught us to pray. He said, you have to learn this by praying. And everything I'm going to say today about prayer and our relationship is really more of an outline for prayer. And it's kind of like that guy who's visiting Washington, uh, New York City and he's wandering the streets lost. He says, how do I get to Carnegie Hall? The guy said, practice, practice, practice. You know. uh, how do you learn how to pray? Practice, practice, practice. Yeah, uh, somebody asked him, well, how did you learn how to pray? Somebody in church, in Sunday school class, how did you learn how to pray? Somebody said, well, I learned how to pray in my Sunday school class. My mother taught me how to pray. My pastor taught me how to pray. Finally, they got to the uh, electrician. He said, well, you know, I learned how to pray hanging upside down from a telephone pole in an electrical storm. <laughs> how many of you know sometimes it's from our needs that we really begin to learn how to pray? Now, when we talk about Jewish prayer, what's the most emphasized in Jewish prayer is kavanah. Can you say kavanah? Kavanah means the attitude of your heart. Do you approach God with the right attitude of the heart? In the Mishnah, this uh, collection of oral traditions about how to understand the law, how to understand prayer... They said that the real pious ones of old would spend an hour preparing themselves before they would pray so that they could direct their hearts to the Lord. Likaven et libam, direct their hearts to the Lord. That's kavanah, likaven, to direct your heart to the Lord. Uh, and they would sometimes meditate on the Psalms. You know, I believe sometimes prayer can even be groanings. Deep within our hearts. I think there are times in our lives that it's hard for us to articulate the words. Maybe you're suffering. Maybe you're hurting. Maybe there's been loss. Well, you know, God can take those inner groanings of your heart and they can be a prayer to him. Sometimes what you have to do is just start reading the prayer book of the Bible, the Psalms, meditating on it. You know, in the book of Exodus... The Bible says that the groanings of the people of Israel in slavery were heard by God Almighty. And there is that deep heart where you're really directing your heart to the Lord in prayer. Um, one time I had a friend uh, heard me talking about prayer, and they says, well, you know, I'm from Las Vegas. I says, oh, really? Yeah, I says, and, you know, uh, people pray in church, but, you know, they pray in the casino too. He says, uh, says, you know the difference between people that pray in church and people that pray in the casino? I says, no, I says, well, in the casino, they really, really mean it, you know. <laughs> and uh, I think uh, that's a little bit of our Jewish roots, isn't it? Because if we have kavanah, 
We're going to really, really mean the prayers. Jewish scientist, educator, world-famous personality, Albert Einstein, said, As a child, I received instruction both in the Bible and in the Talmud. I am a Jew, but I am enthralled by the luminous figure of the Nazarene. No one can read the Gospels without feeling the actual presence of Jesus. His personality pulsates in every word. No myth is filled with such life. So many scholars today are saying that all we have in the Gospels is some vague memory something that's not exactly right about Jesus, that we can't really trust our Gospels. I want to argue today that when we see Jesus praying as a Jew, we discover his heritage, his background. Martin Buber, Jewish scholar, said, if I put my hand over my ear and I listen very carefully, I can hear Jesus speaking Hebrew. And you know, when we take the Gospels in their Greek form, we begin to translate them back into Hebrew, as I did in my book, The Jewish Background of the Lord's Prayer. You can see how every line, every verse refers to the Hebrew heritage of our faith. Jesus is an authentic Jew. There is no myth that's filled with such a presence that we see in Jesus. But when we read something in the Gospels, like Luke 5, 16, Jesus withdrew into the wilderness to pray, we seldom think that we could know anything that Jesus would have prayed. Uh, We would think, well, did he pray like I did in the Baptist church when I was growing up? I'm grateful for my experience in the Baptist church. I remember uh, when I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior at 12 years old, to that Baptist evangelist preached about hell like he just got back, you know. And... uh, that boy, I didn't want to go there. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm grateful at 14 to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That shook up everybody in that church, you know, and be involved in a coffeehouse ministry. But I thought, well, he probably prays like the Baptist deacon. You know, we didn't have any set liturgical prayer. You know, you're, if you read a prayer, that couldn't be a real prayer. Uh, but, you know, that Baptist deacon, he would say the same prayer every week over the offering. You know, how many of you know that we have a lot of non-liturgical, liturgical prayers? (laughs) And what I've found is that if we look at some of the liturgical prayers, say the prayers of the Jewish people in the time of Jesus, we might learn something about how Jesus would pray. In fact, the best that I know of scholarship would say that these 18 prayers that I want to share with you briefly today actually were prayers that were prayed in the temple And if you wanted to have an example of how the early disciples prayed, if you want to call that Christian prayer, they were Jews praying Jewish prayers from their tradition. And we can learn more about how we can seek the face of our Heavenly Father in prayer by learning Jewish prayer. If you go to the 18 benedictions in the Jewish prayer book, you'll discover that they open with Psalm 51. Adonai Svatai Tiftach Tagid at Tehilatecha. O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall declare thy praise. Why do we start with Psalm 51? Because we need to repent. That's Psalm of repentance that King David prayed. And if you really want to understand the Jewish roots, the Jewish background of Jesus' life and teachings, 
probably the very best place to begin would be the Jewish prayer book. Where would I learn about Passover? Where would I learn about the Jewish holidays? Where would I learn about circumcision? Uh, where would I learn about the redemption of the firstborn, about marriage, a marriage ceremony? Did you know that the entirety of life, the life cycle, is con- contained in the Jewish prayer book? Steinsaltz said, a famous Jewish scholar, the order of prayers relates not only to weekdays and festivals, but to the entire life cycle, from birth until death, upon reaching maturity and entering marriage. The Jew is accompanied by prayers and benedictions. Nearly every sorrowful or joyous event of everyday life or of special occasions is reflected in the prayer book. Since the Siddur, that is the order of prayers, the prayer book is called the Siddur, is the book of Jewish life in which everyone is involved and to which everyone relates. What a tragedy that we preach against Jewish people and Judaism in our churches. And we talk about those hypocrites, the Pharisees. Most of us learn about Jews and Judaism from the sermons we've heard preached from the pulpits about Pharisees and churches around this country. How I wish to God we would learn about Jews and Judaism by the prayers they prayed rather than by the sermons we hear preached about them. We can't learn about Jews and Judaism by secondhand knowledge. If you want to know a people, study how they pray. We can know a lot about prayers, Jewish prayers, in the time of Jesus from the prayer book, from the liturgy. And they start by saying, open my lips and my mouth shall declare your praise. You know, the first three petitions in this 18 prayers, that's a summary, really. Uh, the Lord's Prayer is probably a summary of these 18 prayers. Starts out with how you understand God. Probably the most important thing in prayer is to know who God is. God is all-powerful. God is a God who works miracles. When you come to him in prayer, you should come expecting, anticipating, experiencing his presence, and to know that he hears and answers prayer. The first uh, blessing starts out, Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu Elohei Avoteinu. Blessed are you, O Lord, our God, and God of our ancestors. You are recognizing that God is the one who has worked in history. Well, today I'm going to get you involved a little bit here in Hebrew. These are some pretty important words that everybody needs to learn. How many knows the word Baruch? Say this with me. Baruch. Baruch. Atah. Adonai. Eloheinu. You know, we're going to find a lot of these prayers start like that. Um, of course, you know, in the liturgical setting, sometimes you say, the peace of the Lord be with you. Everybody responds, the peace of the Lord be with you. Remember that one priest, one time he kind of goes, something wrong with this mic. And everybody says, and also with you. Yeah. But today, we are going to learn some of these benedictions. The words are so important. Baruch. What does Baruch mean? Baruch means blessed, doesn't it? To bless. But in the Hebrew grammar, Baruch is what we call the passive participle. Now, you know, the grammatical terminology sounds kind of complicated, but what it really means is that when you pray to God and you say Baruch, you are saying that all blessing 
resides in God Almighty. He is the source of all blessings that come. You say, you are the blessed one. You're the originator of blessing. Anything that I receive from this world, I receive from you. And you are the one that gives me the blessings that I need. Famous Jewish rabbi Hertz wrote, to bless means to prosper his cause. You're saying, God, you're blessed. We prosper his cause by our consecration of heart, soul, and might to the advancement of his kingdom. How many want to see the advancement of his kingdom today? You know, the key for the prayer Jesus taught us to pray is, Tamlich Malchutcha, may you continue establishing your kingdom. A lot better than thy kingdom come, I think, in the translation. God's kingdom is now. And prayer is to say, you are blessed, O Lord. All blessing comes from you. We say, Ata, you. How intimate that is in prayer. O Lord, our God, and God of our ancestors, our fathers. Faith is memory. We remember what God has done in the past in the Bible. We remember what God has done for our lives. And that gives us strength and faith for the future. How many of you know as we're preparing for the soon return of Jesus Christ our Lord, we need to build our faith. Remembering what God has done in the past, looking for what God is doing in the future, knowing that he's working in the present. Listen to this first benediction. Blessed are you, O Lord, our God and God of our ancestors, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, the great, mighty, and revered God, the most high who graciously gives loving kindness. You create all things. You remember the pious actions of the patriarchs and in love will bring a redeemer for their children's children and for your name's sake. This is the first prayer of the 18 benedictions. It not only recalls God's history, but it's calling for the redeemer, the redemption of all humanity. Here's the second prayer. And it also says, Baruch Atah. Say a part of this prayer with me. Baruch Atah. Adonai. Adonai. Magen. Magen. Avraham. Blessed art thou, O Lord our God, the protector, the shield of Abraham. O God, King, Helper, Savior, Shield, blessed are you, the, O Lord, the protector of Abraham. You are Lord, are all powerful forever. You resurrect the dead. You are mighty to save. You sustain the living with loving kindness. You support the falling. You heal the sick. You release the prisoners and uphold your faithfulness to them that sleep in the dust. Who is like you, Lord of mighty acts, and who resembles you, O King, who orders death, restores life, and causes salvation to come forth? How many of you can see in a liturgical prayer like this, we can read that? And if we have the right covenant, if we pray it with our heart, it's a meaningful prayer. And sometimes we can meditate on that. And we can talk about healing, the need for restoration, and the Redeemer. Uh, I think that Jesus could have prayed a prayer similar to this. Maybe a portion of these benedictions. As a matter of fact, this is prayed three times a day in the synagogue today. 
And it was prayed three times a day in the temple. And when it says that Jesus and the disciples went up to the temple to pray at this hour of prayer, this is this prayer that they would have been praying. This is Jewish prayer in the time of Jesus, and it becomes Christian prayer when believers in Yeshua begin to pray it with all their heart. The third blessing is one of holiness and sanctifying the name of God. We will sanctify your name in the world even as they sanctify it in the heavens. Have you ever thought that sometimes when we're praising the Lord, we're just answering the praises and the adoration, the holy cherubim and the seraphim, these burning, I don't know how, what kind of creatures we've got, these holy angels that are singing and worshiping God, and we're worshiping with them. And they called out one to the other, holy, holy, holy is the Lord, the Lord of hosts, the whole earth is full of his glory. Those over against them say, blessed, blessed be the glory of the Lord from his place. And in your holy words it is written, the Lord reigns forever and ever. Here's the kingdom of God from Exodus 15, 19. You, God, O Zion, unto all generations, praise you, the Lord. Unto all the generations, we proclaim your greatness. And to all eternity, we will tell of your holiness. Your praise, O our God, shall not cease from our mouth forever. For you are a great and holy king. Blessed are you, O Lord, the holy God. You are holy, and your name is holy, and the holy praise that goes to you daily. Say this with me. Baruch. Atah Adonai Ha'el HaKadosh. That word Kadosh is important, isn't it? That's the Holy One. Blessed are you, O Lord, the God, the Holy One. We say Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit. Well, you know, after you open with the nature and character of God, there are prayers that bring request. I used to think that I couldn't even bring my request to God. But you know, even the Apostle Paul tells us in Holy Scripture that you're commanded, make your request known unto God. And we are supposed to bring our needs. In the fourth petition, we pray in the synagogue and Jesus in his day, you favor people with knowledge and teach human beings understanding. Oh, favor us with knowledge, understanding, and applied wisdom from you. Blessed are you, O Lord, gracious giver of knowledge. Let's say that in Hebrew. Baruch, Atah, Adonai, Chonen, Hadat. Chonen Hadat means he's the one who graciously gives knowledge. How many of you want more knowledge? I need the knowledge of God. You know, the object of Jewish learning is different from Greek learning. Greek learning, you want to comprehend the universe. Oh boy, America, we always want that practical how-to knowledge. But in Jewish tradition, Hebrew learning and education is to bring you to the Da'at Elohim, the knowledge of God, the fear of God. The fifth request is a prayer that you would return to God in repentance. How many of you know, even if you're a good spirit-filled believer, sometimes you need to repent. Even uh, John writes, he's faithful and just to confess, uh, to forgive us when we confess our sins. Make us return, oh, our Father. It's the way Jesus taught us to pray, Avinu, unto your Torah. Boy, the, the Torah is good, isn't it? We need to be drawn nearer to the Torah. Draw us near, O our King, back into your service. Bring us again in perfect repentance into your presence. 
Blessed are you, O Lord, who delights in repentance. Let's say that together. Baruch Atah. Adonai. Harotzei. Bachuva. Remember, tshuva is repentance. He delights in repentance. The sixth request is a prayer for forgiveness. Forgive us, O our Father, for we have sinned. Pardon us, O our King, for we have transgressed. For you do pardon and forgive. Blessed are you, O Lord, who is gracious and forgives a multitude of wrongs. My wickedness of my humanity. I need to pray this. Uh, This is a prayer we pray on Yom Kippur. Uh, So beautiful in Hebrew. Let's pray it together. Baruch Atah. Adonai. Chanun. Hamarbe. Lisloach. I love that. Hamarbe. That's something. He just is so quick. He just increases more and more to forgive. How dare we talk about in Judaism that there's no grace or there's no forgiveness or there's no repentance. We need to discover our Jewish roots and the prayers that the Jewish people prayed. Here's the seventh request. Well, we're going through this quick. This, is this a blessing to you? I tell you? These are some things that really help me know better how to pray. This is a request for freedom from affliction. Look upon our affliction and fight for our cause. How many want to say, God, fight for our cause? Our cause should be his cause, shouldn't it? We should change our lives so that the cause we're working for is his cause. Redeem us speedily for your name's sake, because you are a mighty redeemer. Blessed are you, O Lord, the redeemer of Israel. Baruch atah, Adonai, Goel, Yisrael. That's pretty good. You know, my trouble is a lot of times people say Israel. You know, I, that's the th- that just always bothers me. Remember how we say Yisrael? Got to say it like it's in Hebrew. Yisrael. You know, it's kind of different Hebrew. You know, I mean, there's no ah, ah. I mean, that's the way we talk in Oklahoma. They don't talk that way in Midland at all, right? But... Uh, um, yeah, I had an Israeli friend, his name was Gad, you know, that's the tribe in Israel. But you know, you don't have any ah, 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 all you have in, in English is ah, ah. So he was kind of worried, he'd introduce himself, I'm God from Israel. And, uh, you know, God from Israel. Then he had to figure out, well, you know, God says something else. So uh, we had to get that right for him. But Goel, Yisrael, is the redeemer of Israel. The eighth request in the 18 prayers is a request for healing. I think very few Christians would realize that in the Jewish synagogue, you pray for healing three times a day on the weekdays. And that this was a part of the temple prayers. Heal us, O Lord, and we shall be healed. Save us and we shall be saved. You are our praise. Provide a perfect healing for all our wounds because you, almighty King, are a faithful and merciful physician. Blessed are you, O Lord, who heals the sick of your people, Yisrael. Let's say that together. Baruch Atah. Adonai. Rofei. 
Cholei, Amo, Yisrael. Boy, we talk about the physician, but you know there's that great physician. The Hebrew word for physician is Rofe. Rofe Hagadol, the great physician who provides healing. You know, sometimes we emphasize so much the physical healing. We want to pray for somebody's broken bones. But you know, a doctor can heal a broken bones. I think a lot of times we neglect that God is the only one that can heal the broken heart, the broken spirit, the one that's been rejected, the ones that suffered. We have sometimes people that suffer spiritual abuse in a church and they need healing. Uh, Sometimes we suffer that in our relationships with others. When we pray for healing, we're seeking God's healing power. And that healing is a totality of a person's experience. I don't know. In the Greco-Roman world, we try to separate mind, body, spirit. Hebrew understanding saw the person as a total unity. So when you're praying for healing, you're praying for the body, the soul, the spirit. Oh, let the great physician heal us today. He's preparing us for what he's doing in these great last days. We have to be a part of this. Did you know that in the Jewish prayers that we pray, there is also a prayer for prosperity. And there's a prayer for God's financial blessing. Anybody here needs some financial blessing today? God is concerned about your financial needs. What is real faith? Faith is knowing who God is. It's knowing who you are. Uh, God is going to hear your prayers. You are important to God. If God will clothe the lilies, how much more will he take care of you? If the Lord will provide for the birds, how much more will he take care of you? Now, this is called a blessing for the year. Kind of nice when you're starting the new year. Bless this year for us, O Lord, our God, together with every kind of produce there from it for all our well-being. Provide a blessing upon the face of the earth. Satisfy us with your goodness. Bless our year like other good years. Blessed are you, O Lord, who blesses the years. Let's say that together. Baruch atah. Adonai. Hamivarech. Hashanim. Now now we have that word, hamivarek. He is the source of all blessings. He is the blessed one. He is blessing the year to you. Now we move from some of these personal needs to praying, seeking God's help for the Jewish people, for society, for community needs. I believe today in the body of Christ, we need a world vision. We have to understand that God is working globally today. I don't know, it excites me when I hear at God's Learning Channel that there is ability to broadcast on the internet, streaming. People all over the world can pick this up on computer. I don't know, I think if the Apostle Paul was here today, he would be a real computer whiz. I mean, he would be a real wirehead. He'd be trying to get all the information out on the computers as fast as he can. We've got to have a vision to reach the world and the community and not just be looking at ourselves. Listen to this 10th prayer, which is a prayer for gathering the exiles of Israel to their homeland. How many of you have ever prayed this type of prayer? I think we've been praying this with Gush Khatif. Uh, remember when we uh, were hearing of Falasha Jews in Africa, the Falashas, how they were suffering. Uh, Jewish people. African 
in every feature. And Israel airlifted uh, 20,000 in a 48-hour period to safety in Israel. Listen to how this starts. Blow the great shofar horn. All right. Man, I wish I could blow the shofar uh, like uh, I've been hearing here. What a blessing. Blow the great shofar horn for our freedom. Raise the standard together, our exiles, and bring us together from the four corners of the earth. Blessed are you, O Lord, who gathers the dispersed of your people Israel. Baruch atah Adonai. Mikabetz. Nidche. Amo. Yisrael. Oh, it's beautiful to hear Hebrew here in Midland, Texas. Feel like I'm in Jerusalem. I know there's this old saying in the Talmud that, you know, the ministering angels only understand Hebrew and they deliver your prayers. So it's good to have a Hebrew prayer every once in a while there. I'm glad the Lord understands all language of prayer. Here is the 11th petition, seeking the establishment of the kingdom of heaven. Restore our judges as in former times and our counselors as at the beginning. Remove from us sorrow and sighing. Reign over us, O Lord. You alone. Reign over us, O Lord. You alone. In loving kindness and tender mercy, clear us in judgment. Blessed are you, O Lord, the King who loves righteousness and justice. Baruch atah Adonai Melech Ohev Tzedakah Umishpat. Now Jesus taught us to pray, Thy kingdom come. And I think there is an urgency today that we would recognize that the kingdom is here as a present force. And if anything I could share with you, I think the most important thing I've ever learned from Jewish prayer is that we are called to cooperate with God in prayer. And that sometimes we have to be a prayer. Uh, Sometimes we have to act. When we pray for the kingdom, we can participate in establishing God's reign by the way that we live our lives. The twelfth request is a request for protection from enemies. Let there be no hope for slanderers. Let all wickedness perish as in a moment. Let all your enemies be speedily cut off. May you root out and break off, bring down and cause the ruin of the reign of evil speedily in our days. How many of you can say amen to that? You know, I think today we see the force of evil as we have never seen it in all of history. And we are fighting with God's word, God's kingdom. You know, what the world needs today is the kingdom of God. And we have to proclaim it. Now this blessing concludes, Blessed are you, O Lord, who breaks the enemies and humbles the arrogant. Baruch atah Adonai. Shover. Oivim. Umachnia Zaydim. Listen to that prayer for protection of enemies. You know, it's shocking if you study the history of this prayer in Christian interpretation because there are some Christians who actually said that this prayer was a curse for Christians and that 
Jewish people would pray to curse Christians in the synagogue and try to drive them out because it mentions slanderers. Uh, my teacher, David Flusser in Jerusalem, did extensive research on this blessing. He discovered that probably the earliest version mentions schismatics that were removing themselves from the community 200 B.C. And guess what they were called? Pharisees, Prushim. And uh, famous scholar uh, Chaim Donan, who wrote a book, To Pray as a Jew, an excellent book to study. He said he thinks that this prayer was also directed towards the Samaritans back in Old Testament times because the Samaritans were persecuting the Jewish people who were returning from exile. Uh, But this is a prayer that really is directed at all the enemies of God who are fighting his people. And it's not a prayer that's directed against Christians. I've even read that in New Testament commentaries. When they cast the man out of the synagogue in John's gospel, it was because they prayed this prayer, forcing them out. How ridiculous! We've got to get back to the roots of our faith. And we have to understand the foundation of prayer. I don't know, I had a class one time read Chaim Donan's book, To Pray as a Jew. One of the students got mad at me. He says, I don't want to pray as a Jew. I want to pray as a Christian. I said, well, how did Jesus pray? You know, I think Jesus was a Jew, wasn't he? As far as I know, he never changed his religion. Uh, It might help us to learn to pray as Jewish people. And that can enrich our lives to pray as Christians in the power of the Holy Spirit, praying in the prayer language. The 13th request is for mercy upon God's people. Show your kind mercies toward the righteous and the pious, toward the elders of your people, the house of Israel, toward the remnant of their scribes, toward true proselytes, toward us, O Lord our God. Give a good reward to all who faithfully trust in your name. Set our portion with them forever so that we may not be put to shame because we have trusted in you. Blessed are you, O Lord, the support and security of the righteous. Baruch atah, Adonai, Mish'an, Umiftach, Latzadikim. That tzaddik is that righteous one. He is the support and the security of those that trust in him. Now we have a prayer for the rebuilding of Jerusalem. I mean, no, we need to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. There is actually a prayer that's recited. With tender mercies return to Jerusalem, your city, so that your presence will abide in her midst as you have promised Rebuild her soon in our days as an everlasting building and speedily establish in her the throne of David. Blessed are you, O Lord, who rebuilds Jerusalem. Baruch Adonai, Bonai, Yerushalayim. Here's a prayer that flows from the heart for the rebuilding of Jerusalem. You know, I think God has to do a lot of rebuilding in our lives. I think a lot of us have experienced brokenness. We've experienced some hardships. We've endured a few things. And we've also seen the blessing of God. But the blessing of God is that he loves us the way we are. But what? He's not going to leave us that way. He's going to start rebuilding. How many of you know that it's not enough just to look good on the outside? You have to be rebuilt on the inside. 
And that's what that healing is all about. He rebuilds us like he's rebuilding Jerusalem today. What a miracle we have witnessed in this time. Something that people said would never happen. I remember reading an article in the Encyclopedia Britannica, one of those old ones, about 1920. They said it would be an impossibility that Israel would be reborn. And in 1948, a miracle of God, fulfillment of Bible prophecy, Israel is born in a day. And now we see the restoration of Jerusalem, reunification of the city in 1967. And we pray for the rebuilding of Jerusalem. The 15th prayer is a prayer for the Messiah, the branch, the son of David. And I'm kind of shocked because I think this same prayer also appears in the New Testament. But listen to this. See if you remember. Speedily cause the branch of David, your servant, to sprout forth. With your saving power, raise up the horn of his strength, of his salvation, all the day. Blessed are you, O Lord, who causes the horn of salvation to spring forth. Let's read that together. Baruch atah, Adonai, Matzmiach, Karen, Yeshua. Look in Luke 1, 67, where Zechariah is uttering a prayer over John the Baptist. His father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit. And he prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, because he has visited and redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of David, his servant. This ancient prayer of the synagogue is reflected in the words of Zechariah, who's what? He's prophesying under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. How many of you know when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you start prophesying, you may start quoting scriptures, you know? There may be scriptures that are becoming out of your life. The 16th prayer is a request for your prayers to be answered. Answer our voice, O Lord our God. Free us and have mercy upon us. Accept our prayer in compassion and favor. Because you are a God who answers prayers and supplications from your presence. O our King. Turn us not empty away, because you hear with mercy the prayer of your people Israel. Blessed are you, O Lord, who answers prayer. Baruch Adonai, Shomea, Tefillah. The word Shomea, you hear that comes from Shema Yisrael, that means to hear. When you say in Hebrew, God hears prayers, it means he answers the prayers. He's listening. You know, I think that prayer is a two-way street. God is communicating. We have to be sensitive to listen as we're praying. He's also listening and answering prayers. Sadly, I think we have, most of the time, turned prayer into something where we're just making requests. Reminds me of that mother who asked her little boy to pray, and he says, Dear God, let my dad give me an increase in my allowance. Help me make an A on my test. And oh yeah, help him remember that I want that bicycle for Christmas. Amen. And the mother says, well, you know, you're praying and you're talking to God. But remember, prayer is not just making requests. It's reporting for duty. 
And you see, when we read prayers and study prayers in the time of Jesus, we see how we acknowledge God, but what we are really doing, we are reporting for duty. And as he's rebuilding us from the inside out, our desires are being changed, and we're being conformed into his image. And you know what happens? We started with praise. The last petitions of this prayer are great words of praise and adoration to God. A request to restore the temple service. Accept, O Lord our God, your people Israel and their prayer. Restore the divine worship to the inner sanctuary of your house with compassion. Receive favor, both the offerings of Israel and their prayer. And may the worship of your people Israel ever be acceptable to you. I like the way this concludes in Hebrew, utfilatam. Can you say tfilatam? Ba'ahava. Ahava means love, with love. Tikabel. Let you receive it. Baratzon. With your favor. May the Lord receive our prayer and favor. That's 17. Here's number 18. Giving of thanks to God for his mercy, a way of life. We give thanks to you, for you are the Lord, our God, and the God of our ancestors forever and ever. You are the rock of our lives, the shield of our salvation. Throughout every generation, we will give thanks to you and proclaim your praise for our lives, which are committed into your care, and for our souls, which are under your charge, and for your miracles which are daily with us, and for your wondrous acts and your benefits, which are worked at all times, evening, morning, and noon. O you who are all good, whose mercies do not fail, you who are all merciful, whose loving kindness never cease, we have hope in you. Hear how that sounds in Hebrew. We have hope in you. Kivinu. Lach. You know the word to hope in Hebrew, kivinu, kiva, is like unfulfilled reality. We are not like the world that has no hope, but we hope in the Lord. And we know that he is going to answer our prayer. Now it's kind of interesting. We call this the prayer. We call it the 18 benedictions. But today we actually have 19. How many know it doesn't hurt to throw in an extra prayer? It's not really that the the Jewish people couldn't count. Probably 14 and 15 were originally one blessing, and they divided them up into two. But here is the final prayer. Give peace, well-being, blessing, grace, loving kindness, and mercy to us and to all of Israel, your people. Bless us, O our Father, even all of us together with the light of your countenance. Because by the light of your countenance, you have given us, O Lord our God, the Torah, the love of mercy and righteousness, blessing, loving kindness, life, and peace. May it be good in your sight to bless your people Israel at all times and in every hour with your peace. Blessed are you, O Lord, who blesses your people Israel with peace. Baruch Adonai. Hamivarech. Et. Amo. 
Yisrael. Ba-shalom. You know, studying Jewish prayer is essential for understanding the Jewish roots of our faith. In addition, for Christians exploring the events in the life of Jesus, we should consider that the birth, circumcision, naming of the child, purification of the mother, redemption of the firstborn, presentation in the temple, blessing recited over food, Blessing when witnessing a miracle that happens. Prayers for divine protection. Prayers against being led into temptation. Prayers for God's reign. Prayers during Passover meal. And even a prayer for a dying person on the cross when Jesus said, Into thy hands I commit my spirit, are all in some way discussed and reflected in the Jewish daily prayer book. How exciting it is to explore Jewish and Christian prayer in the time of Jesus. I believe that Jesus wants us to pray with everything that we have. If you're going to learn how to pray, you have to learn how to pray by doing it. You have to pray resolutely with all your heart. I can't teach you how to pray. We can't learn how to pray just by reading prayers. We have to put these prayers into practice. What our Lord taught us, our Father who art in heaven, Avinu Shabbat Shemayim. He was telling us that God is all powerful. He is able to work miracles in our lives. He taught us to pray, thy kingdom come. That means that the kingdom is coming and can be realized in our lives. One old rabbi, Rabbi Judah, said that any prayer that doesn't mention the kingdom is no prayer at all. And that we should continually be remembering the prayer that uh, Jesus taught us to pray. He taught us to pray, may your will be done in heaven as it is in earth. We have a responsibility to seek the will of God in our lives. He taught us to pray for God's plenty. Give us this day our daily bread. After all, by praying for our daily bread, by way of extension, we are commanded to pray for all of our needs. You know, the biggest challenge I think we have in the Lord's Prayer is that sixth petition where he says, forgive us, God, our sins, our offenses, our debts, even as we forgive uh, others who have offended us. What are we really praying? You ever stop to think about this? this? is probably the most damning prayer in the whole Bible. Forgive me, God, just like I forgive other people. You know, I think probably the biggest impediment, the biggest block that we have to a meaningful prayer life today is from the words of Jesus. We allow unforgiveness, bitterness to come in, and it blocks that inner relationship that we have with God. He said, forgive me just like I forgive others. That's how he taught us to pray. Sometimes we think, I'm going to get even with you. I'll never forgive you for the rest of my life. What are you doing? That's like drinking poison to kill somebody else. You know, in prayer, we need to start with that repentance, like Psalm 51. We need to be renewed in our hearts and to forgive. Jesus taught us to pray, lead us not into the grasp of temptation. Deliver us from the evil one. There is this evil force that we are standing against. 
I love that word of praise that we see concluding the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray, probably connected to that great prayer that King David prayed, dedicating the temple in 2 Chronicles 29. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Sounds better in Hebrew to me. But, you know, it's the blessing and honor and praise that you are heaping up on the Lord. Well, you're not here by accident today. You are here by divine appointment. God has his hand on your life. And he wants to change you from the inside out. We're going to be changed into the image of the Lord as we seek his face in prayer. I'm going to ask you to stand with me today. And I want us to pray this prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. I want you to pray it like you're in the casino, okay? Pray it with all your heart. Pray it with some understanding. And then I want to pray that prayer in Hebrew as Jesus taught us to pray. Let's direct our hearts to him. Lift your hands to him. Look to your father who is in heaven. This is a prayer that you're praying to him. Our father who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day. Our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses. As we also have forgiven those who have trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation. But deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Avinu Shabashamaim, Yitkadesh Shemcha, Tamlich Malchutcha, Yeseratzoncha, Bashamaim Uvaaretz, Et Lechem Chukenu, Tenlano Hayom, Mocholano, Et Chovotenu, Kasher Machalnu, Gamanachnu, Lechayavenu. Val tevienu lidenisayon, ella tatsilenu min hara, velachamam lacha, vagvora, vateferet, lola Amen. Thank you, Lord, for every one of your generals that are here today. You are commissioning each one of us at this conference to go forth in the power of your word and the power of your spirit to see your kingdom established. Thank you for the privilege of cooperating with you, of participating in your kingly power, Lord. Continue to establish your kingdom in our lives and in the lives of others as we wait expectantly and we prepare ourselves for the soon return of Yeshua, our Lord. In his name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you.